morning, church. Thank you, Brother Nathan, for uh, bringing the best out of us. Singing to the Lord is an amazing blessing. To be able to sing uh, to God is incredible. I think when we come to worship, we, we've thought about oftentimes our, our singing and our voices, of which uh, I have none. But um, but I do know this, that God wants us to sing to Him. And uh, and so when we sing in the mornings, uh, in the evenings, and even, even in our homes, uh, sing to God, lift your voice to God. Uh, with joy and, and happiness, for God is good, isn't he? I'm glad to see you here this morning. Those who are online, praise God for your presence, and thank you for your attendance, and for all of you who are here today, we thank God for your presence and attendance as well. Let's go to our great God in a word of prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we praise your holy and divine name, and thank you for this opportunity to worship you to honor your name, to lift you up, to esteem you. For you are great. You are the only God, the great God, the God of the universe. And we give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. We praise your son, Jesus, who came and lived on this old cruel world, lived his life perfectly, bringing glory and honor to your name, and died as the perfect sacrifice, the propitiation, the only satisfaction Lord God, known to you, we just ask that you help us to keep our minds focused in our worship this morning, that our worship will be praiseworthy and pleasing and acceptable in your sight. These things we do ask and pray and thank you for in that wonderful, magnificent, most awesome, holy, and precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray these things would be thy will. Amen. Deuteronomy, please, chapter uh, 34. This morning, our, our topic, our subject is the next two generations. I want to focus and think about generation after generation. A generation comes and a generation goes. How many generations remain before the Lord's return? How many generations remain before this great apostasy? What each father does... Today will affect the next two generations. I'm not excluding women in any way, shape, or form because everything that women do is well. But I want us to focus on the leadership, the fathers and the mothers, realizing and recognizing that whatever we do today will affect the next two generations. I want us to take a look at the scriptures uh, for just a moment. We're going to start with Joshua. Joshua was a man in Deuteronomy 34 and verse 9. The Bible says, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him, and the sons of Israel listened to him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. Joshua. Joshua followed God. Turn to uh, Joshua chapter 1. He worked the works of God. Verse 5, 
No man will be with will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be very careful to do according to the law which my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua followed that charge from God and the earlier charge from Moses. He stayed true. Turn to the last book, chapter verse 24, chapter 24 of Joshua. He stayed true to God. His commitment was strong all the way to the days of his death. It's very important that Joshua honored the Lord. Verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The elders, these fathers, these fathers were with Joshua. And as Joshua lived for God, uh, these fathers made a commitment to follow God. In verse 20 of twenty-four of chapter 24, If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he had done good to you. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. They made an inward decision to serve God. They accepted the charge to honor God. Fathers, I'm charging you, as God has charged you, to serve God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Because what you do today, what you have done today, the way that you worship God today will affect your children and your your grandchildren. And if so, even your great-grandchildren. You see, because here's the problem with the fathers. The fathers in Joshua 24 had once compromised their faith. Look at verse 22. And Joshua said to the people, You are witness against yourselves. That you have chosen for yourselves the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Now, therefore, put away the foreign gods which are in your midst and incline your heart to the Lord 
the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and we will obey his voice. And I'm thankful to God that these fathers, that these heads of the households, these mothers, these fathers decided to serve God and commit to him. But the problem is these fathers exposed their children to idolatry. They exposed their children to that which is evil, to that which is not right. In the hearts of these little minds, these children are now damaged spiritually. And the struggle begins. See, you expose your children to evil. When we expose our children to that which is not right, the damage of the the mind, the spiritual damage at that point begins. There's this war that happens against the soul. The elders have, have seen and witnessed the works of God. But the question is, what did they teach their children? See, they exposed them to evil. But what did they teach their children? Not only by example... But they already had taught the children wickedness and evil, idolatry. And now they're changing, thank God, to to teach their children now godliness and to expose their children to righteousness. Fathers, if you are unfaithful to the Lord, here's a promise. Your children and your grandchildren will struggle. That's obvious. Look at the church today. They will struggle. When we have this inability in our minds to focus on God, and we find ourselves with an inward battle within ourselves, and we expose our children to evil and wickedness, and then we say, well, it's all right. Or this isn't so bad. And we show partiality and do what's wrong. Our children will struggle. And let me say this too. Just because we bring our children to worship, it doesn't magically make them spiritual minded. You have to teach them. You have to study with them. And let me say this too. When you bring your children to worship and you act like you don't want to be here, you've exposed your children to evil and they won't want to be here either. What we do as fathers will affect the next two generations and their little minds will begin this inward battle this struggle I want to look at this third generation, the next generation so there's Joshua and the elders have committed I want to look at the next generation I want to look at these little kids right now they're beautiful, right? our little children we love them the more we expose them to evil the more that conflict, the more that conflict becomes prevalent or or an example or, if you will, before them in their minds. The more they're exposed to, to the outside influences, trouble, trouble will come. Look at Judges. Judges chapter, see, in Judges chapter 1, the Bible tells us that Israel forsook God 
They did not do what the Lord commanded. They did not drive out all the nations as God commanded them to. And so, as you read down, you get to chapter about verse 27. It begins to name all the places that, that they didn't drive out. And they were left there as thorns in the sides of Israel. Because Israel did not obey the command of God. These little minds were exposed to all this evil. The evil surrounding them. Their, their, their fathers had forsaken God. Their fathers had, had evil, had idols within their homes. Their fathers compromised God. Think about that for just a moment. I'll come right back to that in a second. Judges 2, beginning at verse 1. Now the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum. And he said, I brought you up out of the land of, of Egypt and led you into the land which I have sworn to your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And as for you, you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed me. What is this you have done? Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become as thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare to you. And it came about when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the sons of Israel that the people lifted up their voices and wept. So they named that place Bochum. And there they sacrificed to the Lord. Imagine that. Our grandfathers. You know, we remember them always, always at church. Always with Israel, if you will. You know, our fathers, though, they compromised God and, and they, and they, and they exposed us to this thing, this called idolatry. And now I, I'm growing up a little confused. I'm growing up a little confused because I, I don't, I don't know any longer if, if God is the only true God. I, I don't know today if, if evolution is, is what I should follow. I don't, I don't really know what to do because my fathers, my mothers compromise God. And if God is truly whom they say he is, then why would they compromise him? Now, I'm a little confused. The conflict, the inward conflict of the mind begins. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. How is that possible? How is it possible that the fathers made a commitment to Joshua and to God to serve and honor him, and yet the children in their home grow up with no knowledge of whom God is? Just because we bring children to this building is not going to miraculously put God into their hearts. You have to teach them. We have to teach them. The problem here is these children have learned idolatry. And I would assume they learned something about God growing up. But obviously, not enough. Deuteronomy, please, chapter 6. God instructed them through Moses. 
He said to the fathers, he said to the mothers, he said to them in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all your might. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. God and the name of God needs to be everywhere. Oh, no, but that's not what happened. Back to Judges chapter 2, please. That's not what happened. What happened was, Joshua chapter 2, excuse me. Um, nope, Judges chapter 2. What happened was this. These children grew up not knowing God. I wonder, I just wonder, if that has happened in the Lord's church. I wonder if the passing pleasures of sin have been so obvious in our homes that our children grow up confused. I wonder if if I put work before God, if that confused my children. I wonder if I put sports before the Lord if that confused my children. I wonder if I put myself before God, if that confused my children. What you do today will affect the next two generations. Fathers, your children, whom you are raising, today will be the contributing factor to what your grandchildren will become. The next two generations. How will these who do not know God in their lives, what will happen to them? Conflict. Conflict. Conflict against God. They, they may fit in with the world. They may fit in even in the church. But there'll be a, a conflict. There'll be a conflict in their minds with God. As it was with Israel, there was a conflict in the minds of these children. The book of Judges is about conflict. It's about these children who grew up with a conflict in their minds. Who did not know God. Who should have known God. Because their fathers obeyed God. There was a conflict in the minds. There'll be conflict and more conflict. Verse 11, please. The sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And followed other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed themselves down to them 
Thus they provoked the Lord to anger. So they forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Asherah. Why? Why did they do that? Sometimes we look at our children and we wonder, why did you do that? And then we're astonished when they give us the answer, well, you did it. <laughs> right? I mean, you know, you watch the parents who say to their children, I don't want you smoking, and they have a cigarette in their hand. I don't want you drinking, and they've got alcohol in their refrigerator. I don't want you living this way, and then they are living that way. And we say later, I don't know how we got this way. Conflict. There's a conflict that happens in the mind. And they will live in conflict against the Almighty God. Not a place that we want to be. In verse 14, the book says, And the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he gave them into the hands of plunderers who plundered them, and he sold them into the hand of their enemies around them, so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord has spoken, and as the Lord has sworn to them, so that they were severely distressed. And we don't want to see our children suffer. But when your children are fighting against God, they're going to suffer. Conflict. Just the conflict of the mind. To him who knows the right thing to do and does it not, to him it is sin. The conflict in the mind. That guilty feeling. That feeling of being condemned because we know we're doing the wrong things. When we fail to educate our children, in the Lord. I'm not opposed. Obviously I'm not opposed to education. But I'm talking about spiritual education. And you don't put that spiritual education. Into the minds of the children. They grow up with a conflict. The cycle. Begins. In the book of Judges. There's this evil. Apostasy. That happens. And they. They physically suffer. They mentally, emotionally suffer. They spiritually suffer over and over and over again. And I know you don't want that for your children. And I don't want that for my children. And I know the fathers didn't want that for their children. But when you don't prepare your children to meet God, Unfortunately, that's what's going to happen in their lives. Judges 3, verse 7. And the sons of Israel, these young minds, grew up. And the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and forgot the Lord their God, and served the Baals and the Asherah. Chapter 4, verse 1. Then the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord, after Ehud died. Chapter 6 and verse 1. Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hands of Midian seven years. Chapter 8, verse 33 through 35. Then it came about as soon as Gideon was dead, that the sons of Israel again played the harlot with the Baals and made Baal Bareth their God. Thus the sons of Israel did not remember the Lord their God 
who delivered them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. Nor did they show kindness to the household of Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, in accord with all the good that he had done to Israel. Chapter 10, please, and verse 6. The sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth, the gods of Aram, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the sons of Ammon, and the gods of the Philistines. Thus they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. And why? They got a taste of evil and they loved evil more than they loved God. They weren't taught. They weren't taught in their homes. They just grew up doing what they wanted, living however they wished. They weren't, they weren't taught. They weren't disciplined. They weren't, they weren't told that they were wrong when they were doing things that were contrary to the will of God. They just lived their lives in any way they wanted, in any way they wished, and they fell in love with idolatry. They fell in love with everything that was opposed to God. And they suffered as a result. How many of them lost their souls? Conflict. The next two generations suffer. Because see, then their children will suffer. You see, their children will suffer. The elders' children, the elders were faithful, but they were faithful to God, but they served idol gods, they taught their children idolatry. Those children grew up with conflict and then their children grew up with conflict and then their children grew up with conflict. Somewhere we have to break that chain of evil. But we have to make sure that our children grow up learning and knowing and understanding about who God is and what sin is. Chapter 13. There's also an inward conflict. There are little minds they wrestle with the same things that humanity struggles with today. Is there only one God? Judges 13 and verse 1. Now the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord, so that the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines 40 years. They suffered. And they began to, if you will, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, like today, the idea, no rules, right? No, We like it with no rules. We can do what we want. We don't have to, we don't, we're not accountable. We love to be those people who are not accountable to anything or anyone. There's nothing new under the sun. Will it ever end? No. The depths of sin just grow deeper and deeper. Judges 17 and verse 6. And then you begin to hear this refrain. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And every man did what was right. In his own eyes. It's all about me. Do we not live in a selfie world today? (laughs) All about me. It's all about me. We don't want to follow God any longer. Fathers, what we do today will affect the next two generations. Judges 21. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the ways, or the end thereof, are the ways of death. Proverbs 14 and verse 12 tells us that. In the book of Judges, 
it doesn't end with, um, you know, the, the fairy tale. And they lived happily ever after. Because you see, when there's conflict, when there's a spiritual conflict in the hearts and minds of people, there is no happy ever after. It just doesn't work that way. See? And, and what I'm saying, I'm not saying that you're struggling with serving God and being faithful to God. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being opposed to God and living contrary to His will according to your will. There'll be a conflict. It does not end and they all lived happily ever after. The book of Judges closes with conflict. Verse 25. It says, In those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so here's what, what I'm afraid of. Something I heard when I was growing up. Afraid that we're living in a time where the dogs are locked up at night and the children run free. No guidance, no direction, just free. Free to do whatever you want to do. We can't do that. I'm afraid that we're living in a time of where we have guided missiles and misguided men. We don't want to be told what to do. We don't want rules. We want to go back to the same way they lived their lives. There was a time when there was no king and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. To be a people who are irresponsible. And sadly enough, a people who are irreconcilable. What we do today will affect the next two generations. May God have mercy on our souls. Church, this morning, maybe there's someone here who, who's ready to obey the call of Jesus. And that call is, has remained the same for almost 2,000 years. You hear his word and you believe it. You have repentance in your heart, godly sorrow. You confess his name before men. You baptize, immerse in water, for the remission of your sins, and then you remain faithful and true to God. Remove the evil from your life and the sin. Perhaps there's a struggle in your life, and you would just like prayers made in your behalf. God has granted us, blessed us today, another day, with one more chance. Another chance to make the wrongs right with God. God is amazing. I'm so thankful to him for his gift of love and for his kindness. Globally, next week, we're going to come back again. And we're going to look at another um, set of, of generations, if you will, three generations. And let's think about what they did wrong. And then let's ensure that we implement the good, right? Let's, let's get away from the wrongs and let's implement the good in our lives so that we can be the men and women that God wants us to be. The lesson this morning is yours. I thank you for your kind attention and for your blessing. May God bless you and keep you. Hear ye.
now.